before we begin today's podcast, I'd like to remind you to follow us on Twitter at dimes underscore daggers to stay alerted every single time we post a new weekly podcast. And I also like to give a reminder that we are literally everywhere on the internet. So wherever you want to listen to us, we're there. So make sure to tell all your friends and let's get into the podcast for today. You're listening to the Dimes and Daggers podcast, a show that covers the NBA from coast to coast. With your hosts, Jack Hunter and Will Cropper. Welcome back to episode seven of the Dimes and Daggers podcast with your co-hosts, Jack Hunter. And on the other line, we've got Will Cropper, a.k.a. Clutch Nets. Jack, how are we today? I'm I'm pretty fantastic. The Nets are currently on while we're recording this podcast. So after we finish up, I'm going to go watch some Kyrie Irving. Um, some Kyrie Irving show in Brooklyn, the Barclays Center, they're playing the Pelicans tonight, and if they don't win, then I'm officially in panic mode. Well, and I'm doing good because uh, it seems like the only injury the Hawks have had so far, Trey Young, we thought he was going to be out for a really long time. He is officially questionable to for the Spurs game tomorrow night or Tuesday night, whatever this podcast gets released, and it's also lucky that the Hawks had four off days in a row when Trey Young had his injury, fantastic. so... The basketball guys, they, they have the Atlanta Hawks this year, which is which is fantastic. So Well, he, he is a vampire, isn't he? He is I mean, a vampire. So. He's an absolute vampire, confirmed. According, confirmed I, I, by the Atlanta Hawks trainer. My my closing statement last week was a was a big thank you to Atlanta Hawks athletic trainer Chelsea Lane, who and, and this has gotten even worse for the Warriors. The Warriors just keep going down with injuries ever since Chelsea Lane left the Warriors, and the Hawks continue to avoid avoid injuries. So we talked about Trey Young and his ankle. That happened after we recorded our podcast last week, and it's almost going to be six days, and he's actually questionable to play tomorrow, and he very well could play in both games of the back-to-back. So, And, uh, yeah, like you mentioned, the Hawks athletic trainer claimed that he has vampire blood because he just, <laughs> just is not human when it comes to recovering from injury. Dude, it's kind of ridiculous how many injuries the Warriors have. Like, honestly, it could be her. Like, like her leave because they have now, I guess, like, we know all the big injuries with Steph and Clay, but Draymond's out. D'Angelo Russell's out. They Their starting five was, like, disgusting. Like, it was absolutely awful. It was putrid. I, yeah. I don't have enough adjectives to describe it. I don't know if you saw the stat, but they're starting five uh, last night, I believe. Combined salary, $7 million. <laughs> That's balling and on a budget. You, you could throw a team of first-round picks, five first-round picks out there, and I believe their salary would be around something like, or the total team salary on the court would be about eighteen to twenty million. So that just kind of That's puts things ridiculous. into perspective about about how ridiculous. Like seven million dollars, like a few years ago, would have been like still would have been bad. But in this days where Steph Curry makes forty million dollars a year and everything, you know, Steph Curry makes more than five times of the five dudes that are on the floor for the Warriors right now. Yeah. I mean, I would consider myself a pretty, uh, a pretty big basketball connoisseur, and I'm not gonna lie to you. I knew one to two people in the starting five, which is really Clay Stein and Jordan Poole was in there, right? That's it. Yes. That, that's literally all I knew. And Glenn Robinson, sorry, their uh, point guard, like Kai something. I, I'd never heard of him in my life. Eric, my Eric life. Pascal. Eric Pascal was a like Villanova, Villanova oh, yeah. guy, and. <laughs> And we thought he was just going to be like a career college player that was going to get his ring. And then it was going to be like kind of like a Tyler Hansborough type deal. And uh, he's he's playing for the for the Warriors now. And then there's uh, Damian Lee, who's a very popular player. He's oh, actually right. married to Steph Curry's sister. That's the only reason why I know who he is. Actually, no, he played for the Hawks on a 10 day contract, too. So he, he, they're just not, he's a not shooter. Actually, I remember him being a shooter. Yeah. 
And then they've got a 300-pound Omari Spellman, who the Hawks traded for Damian Jones and a bag of potato chips this offseason. Uh, and Omari Spellman's been having a, a tough time. They actually thought about cutting him already, which oh. is interesting. He's the Eddie Lacy of the NBA. Um, all right, Jack. So let's talk about some things today. Let's start off because, like, literally 20 minutes before we started recording, I think this happened. Like, I saw it on Twitter. You probably saw it on Twitter while you were dinner. Mm-hmm. Anthony Davis said in this press conference, some someone asked the question, I, I, I bet, that would you think of playing for Chicago one day because that's his hometown. He called Chicago the mecca of basketball. And he didn't decline his uh, aspirations to play for Chicago. He said that he is a free agent next year, so we will see. It's a possibility. And honestly, I, I'm I'm very intrigued by this because – why would he not just completely shoot down any possibility of him going to Chicago? I mean, he's in the middle of a championship season. The, the Lakers look as good as any team in the NBA. Why, why would you start this around yourself? He's doing it to himself. He doesn't well, need to create this drama. I, I, just don't, I just don't understand, like, why he had to answer this question in, in the first place. Like, I, I, you know, when he says the, the mecca, like, a basketball is not New York, it's Chicago, but then he doesn't proceed to maybe say anything about – the Showtime Lakers. I mean, if he's going to talk about the history of basketball and he plays for one of the most historical franchises in the NBA and he's talking about how Chicago is the mecca of basketball and like I just I just didn't I just thought that was a really weird answer. I just didn't think I don't necessarily think he was hinting at the fact that he wanted to play for the Bulls, but then also it just seemed kind of weird because he's on such a good team right now and they have such a good thing rolling for them and like he he knows how much of a distraction it would be if he said something like this, but yet he, he still does. So I, I'm I'm not quite sure what that's supposed to mean in terms of no, Anthony yeah. Davis. Like that's the thing that concerns you the most is that he's on the Lakers. Why would he leave the Lakers for Chicago? Why I, would I don't, he be I don't a distraction? Why would he be a distraction too? Because you know he like he's finally playing in a situation where he has a legitimate chance to win an NBA championship this year and the Lakers are gonna give him as much money as he wants. He plays with LeBron James and he's playing with a team that is looking really good right now. And then yet he would just say something like that and i just even if he was if he was actually being serious about wanting to go to the bulls then like i i just i just don't understand cuz it was like one thing like when Kawhi went from toronto to the clippers like the clippers got paul george and they had already a really good team around him so it was like you know you're going from a a big basketball right. city to another big basketball city probably be bigger and he was going through his hometown but it wouldn't make di- a difference or it really wouldn't make sense for anthony davis to go back to his hometown because yeah chicago la two big basketball cities but you would literally be going from playing with LeBron James and living the LA lifestyle and, you know, being the second best player in one of the biggest cities in the, in the country to going to the Bulls and playing with Laurie Markkinen and who's not a bad player by any means, but if we're talking LeBron James, DeMarcus Cousins, and then Laurie Markkinen and, and Wendell Carter Jr. who actually went to my rival high school, which is kind of funny. Uh, (laughs) And then just everything else. Like it just doesn't, it just doesn't, it's, it's just like, it's like apples and oranges to me. Like it just doesn't like, there's no comparison there. Yeah, I mean, are, and are we completely forgetting the fact that he literally requested a trade to the Los Angeles Lakers? It was yeah. the Los Angeles Lakers, New York Knicks, and I, am I forgetting one? I'm. I think. I think it was those two teams that, that he really wanted to go to, and now he's spec. And now he's adding fuel to a fire that didn't even exist of Anthony Davis to the Chicago Bulls. I don't get it. I really don't. Like he's he's yeah. he's creating drama around himself for no reason. It's November. He's yeah. a free agent in June. This is the, it's, I don't know. Well, I don't, 
I also don't understand it too because you've requested a trade to the Lakers. You get traded to one of the best situations for any basketball player to be in, like L.A., LeBron James, Lakers, you name it. And he wouldn't commit to saying that he wanted to have a future with the Lakers. He was saying, I'm just going to let the season play out, which I thought was a little odd in the first place. Then, so he's going to go to free agency this summer. Then he starts talking about Chicago. I mean, to be fair, I don't blame him that he says Chicago is the mecca of basketball when that boy Kendrick Nunn is from Chicago. And <laughs> so, I mean, he does no, have a we will have there. a We will have a very, I'm going to have a love fest with Kendrick Nunn later. He, he does have a point there, but. I mean, besides besides the point, I just it just seems like an odd time to say it. And the whole, if I was a Lakers fan, I just really wouldn't know what to think because it's yeah. it's to a certain point, it's like we're doing literally everything we can to keep Anthony Davis, and we we have literally the best situation that any basketball would want to play player would want to play in. So it's like, you know, if we lose him, yeah. like just it's, I mean, what what do we do? Like we we couldn't do anything more. Yeah, I, I, let's stop giving Anthony Davis the attention that he obviously wants. Um, and let's talk about one team that I think both of us maybe had a little bit too much hope for. Me, me probably more so than you. Um, but the New York Knicks stink. And I think it's just, you know, another year, another New York Knicks team that's god-awful. But this offseason just seems so different because they recovered or seemed to recover so well. And that was early, but... That 21-point loss to the Kings, who previously to that literally hadn't hadn't won a game. They are starting one to six. They're 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 one and six to start the year. They look awful. They have no one on the squad besides RJ Barrett. And I, it's early. I'm overreacting, obviously, but I don't know. I just I thought that this would be a different team. And a lot of it, a lot of the blame's falling on David Fisdale, partially because he played RJ Barrett as of right now the most minutes in the NBA as a 19-year-old rookie, which is flat out ridiculous. But just his in-game rotations and coaching is pretty – it's pretty suspect to say the least. I haven't watched too much Knicks basketball, but I have a lot of Knicks friends who complain so much to me about David Fisdale. But I don't know. I just – I we had Marco on the pod to talk about the Knicks offseason. We all – we kind of hyped it up. We said that they were possible playoff sleepers, like 9-10 seed kind of guys. But as mm-hmm. of right now, it's looking like they're like a top three lotto team again. I, I'm well, kind of – I'm disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So to be fair, we had Marco on the pod this summer and a good thing about having a podcast for a while is you're able to kind of remember everything you said. So I remember both of our initial reactions when the, the Knicks were doing their thing as we were like scolding so hard. We, we could not believe that the Knicks were like missed out on literally every single free agent under the, under the sun and ended up signing Marcus Morris, Julius Randall, Bobby Portis, Alfred Payton, Wayne Ellington. And then we had Marco on the pod and, and we, we kind of felt bad like ripping the Knicks to him. So we started kind of sympathizing and saying, you know, hey, the Knicks might not be so bad this year. They've got some they've got some nice players. And I yeah, you know, I don't I don't know if we actually believed it ourselves yeah. or we were just trying to be nice to him, but like I think deep down inside we you know, we, Yeah. I'm just looking at this roster right I now. Think like you're just trying to save face, honestly. To be honest, I think we were just trying to avoid a confrontational interview, or, or I, I think we were trying to avoid pouring it on him too, because it was another like, like you know, Knicks were the laughing stock of the league, and we were we were trying to say it's okay, like it'll be all right, buddy. <laughs> but I think I think you might be right. <laughs> but okay, so and then also another thing too is in the summer league this summer, we were under the impression that uh, our boy Iggy Brasdikis uh, was gonna be literally the MVP of the NBA this year after after putting up monster numbers in the summer league and he's playing four minutes a game and averaging four points a game. So I think, uh, I think we might've gotten a little ahead of ourselves right there. Oh, we loved us. Amigi. 
I mean, Iggy was literally the future of the NBA in the summer league. And then Dennis Smith, he's got like a tough situation going on right now. I'm pretty sure he has some some personal issues going on. But then David Fisdell's only playing him eight minutes a game, and he's literally averaging one point a game. And his player efficiency rating is a whopping negative 11.79 right now, which uh, the second lowest on the Knicks, by the way, is Taj Gibson at 3.48. So... You know, not exactly the the best start of the year for some of the players they've been hoping for. And then, like, I think everyone after seeing Frank Nilakina at the at the at the international tournament this summer with the World Cup, people thought he was bad because he was playing a lot for Team France. Because I mean, you know, why wouldn't he? And he's averaging three point two points per game. So I think just I think the offseason we just thought a whole bunch of guys were going to step up this year, and we were kind of sympathizing. You say it's going to be okay, but you know, I think reality has hit the NBA season, and and. You know, we kind of realize what what the Knicks actually are. The Frank Nittlekina era is over in New York, by the way. Like, it's cold. I love how they drafted him over Dennis Smith Jr. And then Dennis Smith Jr. has a really good year in Dallas. And they're like, we got to get Dennis Smith Jr. So they trade Kristaps Porzingis to Dallas, by the way, who's tearing it up. They get Dennis Smith back. And now Dennis Smith Jr. is a bust, too. So they Tell drafted— that isn't the most Knicks thing you've ever heard of in your they life. They drafted a bust. They had two chances to get a point guard, and both didn't work. They drafted a bust. They traded their star player for a guy who they thought was going to be their replacement to Nilekina. Now he's a bust, too. And now both of the guys are sitting on their end of their bench, and Kristaps Porzingis and Luka are tearing it up in Dallas right now. And are having mean, a lot of fun. I mean, like, we thought Phil Jackson was an idiot. I mean, I mean, like, yeah, he's an idiot, but it doesn't, it doesn't stop there, clearly. Like no, it, the Phil Jackson effect is, is still live in in New York. Like they need they they still do not have smart people running their basketball operations. Hey, at, at least they have R.J. Barrett. At least they have. That's the only hope right now for Knicks fans is R.J. Barrett. That's it. That's the I mean, only thing worth watching. I mean, I mean, I, I don't I don't know if this is even. I'm kind of joking when I say this, but is it too early for him to request a trade yet? Can can rookies do, <laughs> can can rookies like do, do that? Did Crazier things enough, have happened in the NBA. Do, do I wouldn't have even be surprised. I mean, they everyone not have that power yet. Everyone these days just says, "Trade, trade me." Okay, yep. I'll trade you. And then, I, man, maybe RJ is just maybe, maybe RJ's, RJ's dad. First rookie. I don't know. Maybe RJ's dad turns into Uncle Dennis and starts saying, "Trade me." <laughs> maybe RJ's maybe RJ Barrett's uncle has that type of power too. Um, okay, so we bashed the Knicks enough. Let's go to a team that is actually really entertaining to watch so far this year. The Miami Heat, I don't think that any either of us and many basketball pundits really predicted the Miami Heat to be this good. I kind of writ them off as a low playoff seed, but they look like – I mean, they're sitting on top of the East right now, right? They're tied with uh, – uh, no, actually, the no. 76ers have their first, but yeah, they're second with the Celtics, I'm pretty sure. And a lot of that is actually due to our man, Kendrick Nunn. He leads the, lead, he leads the team in usage rate. So he's the biggest part of the Heat offense as of right now. And it's not just him that's overperforming. It's guys like Tyler Hero, Bam Adebayo, Duncan Robinson. He's, he's overperforming too. He's a straight sniper. I mean, I mean even Goran Dragic has been a nice surprise. He's the second highest usage in, on the team. 16 points and four assists on 45% shooting. This team is just, as of right now, it's just overperforming. And I'm, I'm yeah. loving it because they have, they have all of these really nice role players and then they actually have their star and Jimmy Butler. And maybe maybe Butler has one or two more years of still being a star. But I I I like this team, dude. I think that I I think that I writ them off too early. I think if they can keep this up, and I don't know if Kendrick Nunn's gonna keep it up, but if he does, 
they they could they could be a top five seed. That's what I'm gonna say. Yeah, and no, and I'll I'll give you some interesting stats that I like to point out, and then I'll I'll give you a comparison of who I think the Heat remind me of. So anyway, uh, so Kendrick Nunn not only is he averaging 19.5 points a game, which leads the Heat. He's has he's averaging almost two steals a game, which I think is very impressive as well, which is very underrated. And he's also shooting 44 percent from three point range as well, which is an incredible note. The Heat have four players shooting over 36.8 percent from three which is an incredible clip. They also have eight guys that are averaging over 10 points a game and 10 guys that are averaging almost over 8.8 points per game. So it's it's really a team effort. So if you say, like, Jimmy Butler hasn't had the best start of the year in terms of scoring-wise. He's averaged 14.7 points per game. But to be honest, like, that, that's when completely fine for Miami. If he can make a basket late in the game or he can provide the defense that they need him to, and then they're, they're perfectly fine. Like, they have, they have so many guys right now that are scoring at such a high clip. I mean, they have, they have four guys that are over 15 points per game, and that's Hero, Dragic, James Johnson, who's averaging 17 points per game. You know, they, and so I will give you the comparison, though. I think last year's Toronto Raptors, I know, I don't think they're a direct comparison. I think the Raptors are better, but in pretty much all facets. But I think they remind me a lot because, so you have the star per se in Jimmy Butler, you compare it to Kawhi Leonard, but then you also have a lot of old guys. You also have a lot of young guys. So you've got like the Goran Dragic, Kyle Lowry type comparison, but then you've got the really young guys like the Pascal Siakams. And then for that, you've got Kendrick Nunn and you've got Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson. And then you've got a, just a whole bunch of, a whole bunch of like veterans like Norman Powell. And I guess you can consider Fred Van Vliet one because he played in college for so long. And then, you know, you know, you've got Justice Winslow and and you've got Bam Adebayo, who could be another like Pascal Siakam comparison. Like so, I, pretty much what I'm trying to say is they they play really good team defense. They have a nice mix of young and old guys. They're very well coached. I mean, Nick Nurse was a really good coach for the Raptors last year, and Eric Spolstra, we know what type of coach he is. And you just sort of get that team camaraderie that you know you kind of feel with the Clippers too. And then, but they play hard. They have a lot of depth. It, an injury or two is not going to break them. You know, I just I really like this Heat team because I I think they're going to be very durable. And I think even if one guy's production goes down, I mean Jimmy Butler could average twenty five points a game if he really had a good season. He's only averaging fourteen point seven right now, so there's room for potential. Even if they have a regression from some young players, I think their scoring production could still. I mean, they're averaging one hundred seventeen points per game right now. That's probably going to go down. But I mean, that was a bit juiced by last uh, last night. Yeah, and uh, I will say. You know, the, I think the factor that I've been able to see if teams are really good, if they can come in to State Farm Arena and get a win versus my Hawks. So the Heat came in, they beat the Hawks by nine points without Trey Young. And I was, you know, I was saying that that's pretty solid, you know, beating the Hawks without Trey Young. And then the 76ers came in and, and they left Atlanta like it was a highway robbery the way they won that game. I mean, Atlanta literally tried and Atlanta and the officials literally just gave the game to Philadelphia late in the game. So that was a little disappointing. But uh, yeah, I just. I just think Miami, like I just think they're a, they're a contender. I think they're for real. Is Waiters Island over in Miami now? Definitely. They Definitely. they don't they don't have any they don't have any room they don't have any room. They for don't them. even have any room for them. I because when you brought up last like last team comparisons, I thought you were gonna go with the Denver Nuggets because that's who I think they are. I think yeah. they are this team that is so that they have a star, but it's not like he is the demanding drive of the team and like everything's relying on him they play super well together they are really deep they have a nice combination of young uh, breaking out players and uh veterans like you know the paul Millsap might be like the james johnson or 
Um, and the Malik Beasley's and the Gary Harris's are the Tyler heroes. And, you know, you, the same concept as you, but just with the Nuggets. And obviously Jokic is Jimmy Butler, but they just play really well as a team. Jimmy Butler's not the toxic locker room guy that he has the stigma of being, so far at least. And, I mean, he's perfect for that organization, by the way, because that organization is like the grittiest most hardworking culture, heat culture, you know, in yeah. the uh, in the in the league, and that's just what Jimmy Butler's career is built on. So I, yeah, it, but they're so driven right now by their breakout players that have just overperformed so well, and I think right now they're probably the deepest team in the East. I yeah. would you agree? I I would say so. I think I think you know, you, I think last the Hawks year. and the Heat right now for me are the two deepest teams in the East. I think last year you could have made a case about uh, Milwaukee being the deepest team, but they lost a lot of a yeah, lot of pieces. Did. I feel like with Brogdon out, it's just kind of this is not the same in terms it's of not their. The same, no, they don't look as good. They Brogdon is killing it in Indiana too. Like he's having a really good year, and it's not just scoring. He's he's actually been a very good facilitator for him too. Well, yeah, he's second in the NBA in assists. He's he's pretty much almost averaging a 10, 10 assists a game. He's almost averaging a double double, which is which is crazy for the Pacers and. The Pacers didn't have a good start to the year. They went 0 and 3 to start the year, but they are 3 and 3. And I think they do make an interesting case because I do think once again we talked about the team orientated thing. I think you know for for Indiana they just have a whole bunch of grinders. I mean Domatis Sabonis and Goga Badatse and TJ Warren, nice nice pickup. I mean we we saw that from a mile away. They've mm-hmm. got a they've got one of the Holiday brothers. You know they got Oladipo coming back. They've got Brogdon. I mean they just. They have a whole bunch of really solid basketball players, and uh, you know, I ultimately, I, I think, I think the East is gonna be fun this year because there's just so many deep basketball teams. And I will say, I gave the Heat the Raptors comparison too because you know, I remember the Heat used to, I mean, the Raptors all the time last year used to play without Kawhi Leonard, and they used to look like they didn't even lose a step last year during the regular season. I mean, they, they, Kawhi Leonard took their game to the next level, but you know, if the, Kawhi wanted to sit out for load management, then. It was it was completely fine. Like they right. they would go in there and they would do their business and Pascal Siakam and Gasol once they got him and Kyle Lowry and all their bench dudes would carry the load and then they would be fine. So I think the whole thing about Jimmy Butler, he missed the first few games of the season because he because uh, he had a daughter and then uh, you know just but if they, he gets, they survived like they survived yeah, and strived. They, 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 they lost, lost one game. Yeah, he's, exactly. He's played in three. He's played in three games this year, and they've played seven. They played six games total, and they're five and one. So yep. I mean, he's played. He's played in half of their games, and they, they don't look like they miss him. I mean, he'll be definitely like a guy in the playoffs that you'll want. But I think they can survive in the regular season uh, without him. Per- yeah, I, I think this is the perfect position for uh, Jimmy Butler at this point. Um, so let's let's slide over to Houston now because Houston mm. right now I think is probably the most polarizing team in the NBA because they had such high expectations. And as of right now, they literally, they look like a, they look awful. They look absolutely terrible. And did then, okay, you have to, you have to refresh me here. Did D'Antoni get an extension? Um, I believe he got a short term extension. If I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong on that, but I believe they did not give him a long-term extension. I believe he got a short term one. Yeah. Well, this probably proves why, because I don't know. He's trying to incorporate. I'm not going to blame Russell Westbrook. I like the best record with Russell Westbrook in the summer, but this is not a Russell Westbrook problem. As of right now, this is a, this is a team shooting and most importantly, James Harden problem. James Harden has the 13th worst field goal percentage in the NBA at 37%, and he's the third worst three point percentage in the NBA at 21%. And I just want to bring this up real quick. 
all of those guys right next to Harden, besides Eric Gordon, like in the top 10, besides Eric Gordon and Jay Crowder, they're all averaging under five attempts a game. So their percentages are a little, are a little misleading. James Harden's averaging 13 threes a game, and he's shooting that at 21%. I like I don't know when it when when it's, there there won't be a time when he's going to tell James Harden to stop shooting, but it's like really concerning that he's struggling so much this early in the season. And yeah, no, it is early in the season. That's the most important part that we got to consider here. But like even the Rockets as a team, they're thirty percent as a team. Westbrook was a minus forty six in the loss to the Heat. They they looked absolutely terrible against the Heat, by the way. And Eric oh, yeah. Gordon hasn't shot well at all either. I don't know. I. Do you think that they can recover? Well, I well, first of all, I think we said the thing in the offseason about them acquiring Russell Westbrook is that we didn't think they were going to win a title if they or they're going to have a chance to win a title if they didn't get Westbrook. So, I mean, you might as well shoot for the fences because they've already binded themselves so deep in contracts and everything that, I mean, you might as well just go for it. But I think we're starting to see the effect of of being so competitive for so long with such an old team. I, I mean, I, I think generally like there just might be a just a hangover from last year and i know that's kind of silly because they didn't even make the finals they didn't even make the finals last year but they've been going neck and neck with the warriors for so long and i think i mean we're definitely seeing it on the Warriors side about how the warriors just are literally just broken now and i think the rockets are kind of doing the same thing i mean like i mentioned i don't like you mentioned i don't think this is necessarily a a russell westbrook thing i mean he's looking to me like he's putting up kind of just russell westbrook numbers he's shooting a lot he's shooting 46 percent from the field and has a pretty abysmal three-point rating but i mean that's literally that's that's just westbrook that's That's just russell westbrook he's literally almost averaging a triple double a game and like he's he's doing what russell westbrook does and yet the rockets are still horrid and so i mean you look at james harden's stats i mean i i I would like to say that it's him trying to get used to playing with a dude that's as ball dominant as him. But if you're an MVP, if you're a superstar, like the part of part of being able to be a really good basketball player is being able to play with other basketball players that, you know, might not be the same play style as you. I mean, like the days of James Harden playing with four other G League players and just telling everyone to get out of the way and having him shoot for 50 times a game like that's not going to win you championships. That's not going to win you basketball games. So you need to be able to play with players like Russell Westbrook even though I know it is hard but Kevin Durant found a way to make it work Paul George found a way to make it work if you're an MVP if you're a superstar player like you you've got to make it work well the Rockets like you said they're they're a really old team because and it's more of Daryl Morey was a really good GM for just finding guys that fit the system really well um he found Capella BJ Tucker wasn't as good or wasn't as uh valuable as he ever was in the Rockets Eric Gordon fit right in but it just seems now that there's just more – they are such a thin team. They're so thin. They're relying on guys like Ben McLemore, Austin Rivers, and Chris Clemens. I mean, D- Daniel House I actually really like. I'm not going to slander Daniel House here because I, th- I think he's a great role player. But it, it seems like there's more guys going out than coming in. Like they lost Trevor Ariza and Luka Mbamute uh, two summers ago. And after that, it just seems like they've been just grasping for a fix to this problem. And it just right now it's just lying on the shoulders of James Harden, his lack of production. He's going to have to learn that now that he has a Russell Westbrook on his team who is a superstar, who is going to be able to win you basketball games and is a great player to play next to, although, you know, it is, it is definitely hard to play against a guy like, uh, with a guy like Russell Westbrook. Harden's going to have to learn that he's going to have to play with him because that's, that's the team right there. If they don't succeed, this team's not going anywhere. They're not going anywhere at all. And... Honestly, I think that the Rockets are going to 
fix their problems as of right now, but I mean, <laughs> it's abysmal to watch them right now because I watched a little bit of that game and oh my gosh, it's just it's just a hardened ISO, and that's a possession right there. And yeah. Clint Capella looks nothing like himself, by the way. Yeah, well, and I will say too is that everyone, or at least the logical thing to point out is, oh, Trevor Reza's gone, Gerald Green injured, Mamba Bunte is gone, so they lose their defensive mindset and edge. And, I mean, that is true. Like, it, it does definitely help when you have depth and you have good players to play on your team. But you would think that a lineup of James Harden, P.J. Tucker, Russell Westbrook, Eric Gordon, and Clint Capella with House, Rivers, and I don't know Tyson Chandler, Ryan Anderson, Austin. Or I already said Austin Rivers, but Ty, like Clemens, those, baby, Chris Clemens, averaging sixteen points a game and yep. one game played. But I, you would just you would just think that that starting lineup, that five, that's a good starting lineup, and you would think a bench like that could could be functionable at least. So I I I just don't understand. Like you could, yeah, you could point it to the fact that you, you don't have as many role players and your team is older. I mean, they have so many dudes that are over 30 years old. It's crazy. Yeah, they're such an old team. It's kind of ridiculous. But you would, I mean, we've seen old teams win in the NBA all the time. Like, you would think that a lineup that talented would work out. And if it's not working out, then I think you just got to point to number 13. I mean, he's he's the leader of that team. He's in charge of making sure everyone is playing to their peak performance. And that's what everyone gives LeBron James so much credit for. That It doesn't matter who you are. I mean, if you're Troy Daniels, he'll turn you into Kyle Korver, like, with a snap of a finger. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely right. So, yeah, we've discussed the Rockets. Um, and I want let's, to let's, let's go to our weekly segments now because I want to get to some of these before we end the podcast, as we always do. And I don't know if you have yours picked yet. I don't have mine picked yet. But do you have your Baller of the Week picked yet, the guy who you think balled out the most this week? I mean, be I would be – wrong if I gave any other answer other than the reason why Chicago is the mecca of basketball, Kendrick Nunn himself, who is leading the Miami. We love us some Kendrick Nunn on the Dimes and Daggers podcast. I mean, I think it'd be a little, I think it'd be a little hypocritical of me to just literally give him all the love in the world and, and not give him my baller of the week. I mean, you're talking about versus the Atlanta Hawks. He just literally was splash mountain on the Hawks, put 28 on the Hawks head on yeah. 10 for 15 shooting and 4 for 6 from three-point range. Uh, undrafted rookie doing his thing. I don't know how long this is going to last, so I'm going to appreciate this greatness while it lasts. He's my he's my baller of the week. Mine is going to be Donovan Mitchell because Donovan Mitchell is so – it's, it's, he has not been talked about at all this year, and he is looking like a offensive weapon in Utah right now. He's shooting the lights out, which is something that he has struggled with throughout his career. I saw a stat because I think I was watching him last night. He is second in the NBA in jump shot percentage. And if you've ever watched Donovan Mitchell, you know that his game is almost solely focused on drives to the basket and him just muscling guys down in the paint. And he's just struggled so much with the jump shot. And now to see him shoot 44% from three so far in the year and 52% overall, averaging 25 points a game, like that is so promising. And no one's talking about it. This guy has looked fantastic and he's played seven games already so it's it's a nice sample size i don't know i i like me some donovan mitchell so far this year i i do as well and uh so i'm gonna combine my boom and bust of the week together so i'm gonna do it at the same time my boom of the week is the booms of the week are the dallas mavericks and the atlanta hawks trey young luka Doncic, they're both doing their thing hawks again 
Luca Luca had Luca had a triple double, I, I believe, in two straight games in a row, and it's just completely tearing things up. And you know, at this point, Trey Young is so good that I'm just happy for Luca. Like, if Trey was horrible and Luca was really good, I I would be the biggest Luca hater on earth. But I think both teams got the, what they were looking for. So I think both teams are booms because Dallas is playing really well. They're four and two right now. Atlanta was playing really well until Trey got hurt, and then once Trey comes back, they should look to get things better. I mean, you've got Luca who's averaging almost 27 a game, 10 rebounds and 9.5 assists. So, so that's just crazy. And then Trey Young is averaging almost 30 over 30 points a game. And so I would give those to my booms of the week and my busts of the week are the Phoenix Suns and the Sacramento Kings. So the Phoenix Suns are, I mean, they're the Phoenix Suns and. DeAndre Ayton gets suspended for PEDs in his second season in the NBA. And then you've got Marvin Bagley, who broke his thumb, I believe, or broke something in his hand. So he's going to be out for the foreseeable future. And I think if you're a Kings fan, if you're a Suns fan, I mean, you might be the bust for the rest of the for the rest of their the careers. I'm worried about the Kings. I'm not going to lie to you. They don't look good. They, they, they were such a promising young team last year. And, like, so far, it just looks... Like they should never have filed fired David Yoger and hired Luke Walton. Why? Yeah. Like that is such a boneheaded move by Vladdy. Yeah. I don't even know if it was Vladdy, but it's just the Kings. I, what, what do I expect? Yeah, um, but anyway, yeah. like what I was saying, just bust. I mean, I mean, you're literally Phoenix and Sacramento, and all you had to do was just stay where you were and draft one of the two of them. It's not like there's just one player that's really good. There was two of them, and you picked a dude who's suspended for steroids. And you picked another dude who is clearly worse than Young and Doncic, who also is going to be out for about half the year this year. So, I'm... yeah, honestly, yeah, wait, wait give, let's all give Phoenix a round of applause for that because that is an absolute Phoenix Suns move if I've ever seen one. That they had the opportunity to, they haven't had a good point guard since, like a franchise point guard since Steve Nash, and you know that that was when they were actually really successful, and they had the opportunity to draft two. They, they, there were two franchise point guards on the board. They had the first pick in the draft, and they went with DeAndre Ayton over two transcendental point guards. Actually, I wouldn't say – I think Luke is more of a hybrid forward point guard, but, you know, he's still Luka Doncic. So I'm going to do my booms now. My, my boom is the Heat and Dwight Howard. We'll talk about Dwight Howard later, but I'll talk about the Heat for right now. I think actually the Heat and the Boston Celtics because the Boston Celtics are so – they have been really – doing so much better than last year so far. There's so much less drama surrounding that team. I think that's the most important part because they're such a young team that that cloud of Kyrie among that group was not good for the development of Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. I think that the Celtics, because they were my, they were my, Brad Stevens my coach of the year pick and I'm sticking with him. I want them to succeed so much so I can be right. And I think that this is a great start for them and Kemba's, they, he has the most points combined in his first four games as Celtic. I think that was a uh, a stat I read. It was either four or fifth or four or five games. He has two thirty point games already. So, yeah, I, I I like the Celtics so far this year. My bust of the week is the Golden State Warriors, who have Ooh. gotten injury plagued upon injury plagued upon injury plagued, and we are two weeks into the season. So, Warriors fans, I'm gonna familiarize. With, you guys with something that Nets fans are very much familiar with. You're going to suck. You're going to suck bad. And you're probably going to be a top 10 pick after the season. And listen, at least you have your picks. Honestly, that's that's something to look forward to. And you guys can come back next season and be 
possibly really competitive. Even Adrian Wojnarowski doesn't have any faith in you guys either. He thinks Bob Myers is already going to help you be out there scouting. So yeah, that's those are my boom and bust of the uh, of of the week. All right, and I think before we go, we have to. Uh, I think we're starting a weekly weekly segment, the Magic Johnson take of the week. And uh, yes, yes, yes. If you're not familiar with Magic Johnson, he goes on Twitter a lot and decides to point out incredibly obvious things. And I don't know. He he thinks that he's a a genius basketball analyst for pointing out that LeBron James is good. So we're gonna point out completely obvious things and discuss them. And I'm gonna point out my first one. The Los Angeles Lakers are good. They are very very good. They have Anthony Davis and LeBron working together like really well. And they have Danny Green being the shooter that. LeBron, te- LeBron teams always seem to have. And KCP, as much of a meme he is, he's actually like a pretty efficient shooter. He's not doing that bad. He's not doing great, but he's he's providing some good shooting help from what I watched last night. And man, I mean, I want to talk about him right now, but dude, Dwight Howard is back. Dwight Howard is back, and he is back better than ever. Not better than ever, actually. Let me not say that. He is back better than ever in the past, like, three years. And I'm so excited because... It's really fun to watch him have fun playing basketball because he has just looked mm-hmm. so miserable playing the game of basketball the past like three years. So yeah. I, the Lakers are good, and the and Lakers are very good. My magic, uh, my magic Johnson take of the week is that because Andre Drummond is averaging twenty two point one points per game with eighteen point seven rebounds per game and uh, two point six blocks per game on sixty one percent shooting, he otherwise known as the Big Penguin, Andre Drummond, is good at basketball. <laughs> that's a very easy de- statement to defend, but that's what a Magic Johnson take is. I completely agree with you. He is killing it. And those stats were definitely inflated by playing against Jared Allen and DeAndre Jordan. Against and Alex Lynn, too. And Alex Lynn, too. So, you know, he's, he's been absolutely dominant, though. I don't want to take anything away from him. Rebound machine. Um, right. Okay. I think, I think that's I good. Think that's yeah. I do... I, I'll do. I'll. I'll just shout out Dwight for my last thing. Dwight Howard, you are back. You are back very much so, and I'm happy for you. Uh, and I would like to give a shout out too, as well, to Wendell Carter Jr. Even though he went to my rival high school, who we did lose the state volleyball championship to this weekend, which was a little tough. Uh, Wendell Carter Jr. is making a big impact for the Bulls. Just not. Uh, just not really. Not really points per game rebounds. He's doing really well in that too. But the Bulls are plus two with him on the court and minus 14 with him off the court. So Wendell's making a big difference. And another dude who went to high school with a with a rival from high school, Malcolm Brogdon, who's a straight out of the greater, greater Atlanta Christian School Spartans, is tearing things up, averaging over 20 points a game, oh, yeah, he looks averaging almost 10 assists per game. What a move for Indiana. And once Victor Oladipo comes back. Wow. That team's looking nice. They're wow. looking deep. Uh, let's also give a nice shout out to Jack Hunter for winning. Can you tell me which, which what the award was? The exact the exact award. Uh, we won a national Emmy presented by the National Academy of Television Arts and Sciences. Uh, it was a high school award for uh, the live sports category for one of our uh, football broadcasts that we did last season. Big W for Jack. Big applause for Jack. I'm proud of you, my guy. Good job. I'm, I'm happy it. for you. No Appreciate problem. It. So I think that's it.
Yeah, so we're going to wrap things up. Thank you for listening to Episode 7. We'll be back next week. I mean, we came back this week, so we'll be back next week for Episode 8. And uh, we'll be glad to discuss a whole bunch. Hopefully, we have a very interesting week. That's all i got to say because yeah, hopefully, hope so. Kendrick, hopefully Kendrick Nunn continues to tear it up. Hopefully, Dwight, Dwight Howard continues to tear it up. Hopefully, the Knicks continue to play really bad so we have more Knicks bashing going on. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. So for uh, co-hosts, Will Cropper at Clutch Nets, who's on the other line, and myself, Jack Hunter, like I said, thank you for listening to the podcast. And we'll see you next week for Episode 8. Peace.